our episode, man. Super fire. Yes, sir. <laughs> man, welcome to episode 15 of the Block to Block podcast, the best podcast in the world for all things web free. Here we break down the technology, what's going on in the market, and the ways in which you can benefit. I am NFT Njai. And I am Web3 Wayne. And over here, the talk is different, especially with our special guest, Aki. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Glad to have you, Aki. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. For sure. For sure. Before we get into it, before we get into it, Mom, do you know I got to do it? NFT Njai, you know I got to do it. For all y'all listening, remember... This podcast is for general information purposes only. And no event will we be liable for you losing your money. I want you to know that right now, up front. So we'll be not liable for any loss or damage derived from the information provided. Please conduct your own due diligence and consult a financial advisor. If you want to talk to your homie, you can do that. That's fine with me. But make sure you talk to a certified professional for sure. Uh, and let's get it started, gentlemen. Let's get us started. But before before we let the good brother speak, you know, I got to do you right. I got to read this bio of all these accomplishments because here on the Block to Block podcast, everybody we bring on is fire and very great in like their own discipline. So talk is different always. It's going to be super different today. We have Akinyemi Bajulaye, who is a Nigerian American serial entrepreneur and real estate investor. Originally from New Rochelle, New York, Aki came to Philadelphia to attend the University of Pennsylvania. There, he graduated with a bachelor's in biology. And during his time at Penn, he worked in a research and a science research lab. He received all Ivy distinction as an 800 meter runner on the track and field team and was the laboratory manager at Pennovation Station. For those who don't know, Pennovation Station is a 58,000 square foot business incubator and laboratory here in Philly. And as previously mentioned, he's a serial entrepreneur. He Aki has co-founded numerous ventures, one being an organization called One Jolof, which is an organization seeking to unify and empower Philadelphia's African diaspora. A show that they do that's the result of One Jolof is called Pepper Soup Talk, which highlights the endeavors of members of the diaspora. And he's also a successful real estate investor. You know, over the years, he has been a realtor, a sales agent, and he personally, I know, has like some buy and hold properties. And his latest venture is Web3 for Humanity, which provides blockchain-enabled solutions for the real estate space. So like I said, the talk's going to be really different today because I'm super excited. Aki, my brother, please, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate that intro. Yes, of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. You know, I'm glad I have a fellow West African on the show (laughs) with me because that's just in our culture. We like to hype each other up. You know, we congratulate one another. What you trying to what you trying to say? Well, you are Cameroonian. Okay. Shout out to African ancestry. Facts. Facts. Shout out. Shout out. Yes. But Aki, today, you know. I'm very interested in having you on the podcast today. You know, we had some previous conversations in which we were introduced through a mutual associate. Shout out to Sensua, super dope individual here in Philly. And, you know, Sensua, he introduced us because he said, I know another young African brother who's doing something in Web3. And in speaking with you, I was very interested to learn about what you're doing with Web3 for humanity, especially with real estate. And so... But before we get to all of that, can you like tell us a bit about yourself and just like how and how your journey has begun? No, definitely, definitely. I thank you guys again for having me on. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Akiyemi Bajulai. I go by the name Aki, usually from New Rochelle, New York, and uh, came here to Philadelphia, oh, I think, fourteen years ago now, and mm. I've been been here ever since. Uh, I'm a media and real estate entrepreneur. Uh, I've come to one to love which is a media and lifestyle company that cultivates community for young black and uh, African professionals uh, based here in Philadelphia. Uh, and I'm also a co-contributor uh, for Web3 for Humanity, which is an idea I've been incubating along with uh, two other partners. Uh, that really the purpose around it is helping onboard 
underrepresented uh, groups and the youth into the Web3 space. Uh, and kind of starting with from like a real estate lens, given that we all kind of have a background um, in, in real estate. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and can you, with like that background in real estate, can you tell us a bit about that real estate journey? Like what got you interested in it? Because you did go to school for a bachelor's in bi- bi- uh, biology, which I assume is like that traditional Nigerian yeah. parents saying you must become a doctor. So tell us. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, you already, you already, you already said it, you know, growing up in a Nigerian household, there are uh, the three professions that are acceptable. You can become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Yep. And, there's, and there's actually a fourth, right? Which is uh, become a disgrace to the family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of you know, where you kind of grow up uh, being, being wired um, to, to do or to, to think. And um, I kind of came across uh, the, the startup space after I graduated college. So as you mentioned, I studied biology in undergrad. And then after I graduated, uh, I worked in science research. And during that time was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do for next steps. Did I want to go to grad school? Did I want to do something else? Um, and ultimately, uh, I ended up in entrepreneurship. I started a venture at that time. This was in 2014. It was actually... Uh, a mobile platform for college students called uh, Share Anonymous. It was basically uh, a mental health uh, support platform that students, uh, peer support platform that students would use to uh, sort of support each other uh, on campus. And at the time, and still a serious issue, I mean, we're in 2022 now. At the time, this was 20, 2015, 2014, 2015. There had been, I think, like 13 suicides just on Penn's campus. And two wow. of those, Two of those suicides were actually people who were on the track team. You know, I ran track when I was uh, when I was at Penn, so uh, that was a that was a serious issue. But how that idea came about was through a through a class that I took when I was was working in science research. Because basically, my, my job would give uh, us tuition credits, and so you could basically take classes and things of that nature on the side. And so I took this health innovation and technology course. And at the time, I didn't really I didn't know that this was the case, but I learned that it was really like it was really an incubator, and they mm-hmm. asked you to work on an idea. Um, they encouraged you to work on an app specifically, and then that introduced me into the world of startups and incubation. And to, to be honest, really kind of shifted uh, my whole course because uh, I caught the I caught the startup bug. And uh, and then you know I, I actually at the end of that year, which was in uh, or the end of that school year, I guess you'd say. Like I remember the summer of 2015. I actually left my, my job. At, I was working at a hospital to go work on on Share Anonymous full time, and uh, and then that was a you know that was a whole journey. I worked on it for about four years, and uh, you know we launched. Um, but at some point along the lines, decided to go back to, to full time work, and then ultimately actually stopped working on Share Anonymous. Um, but that, that but all of that came before you know the real estate journey, one jump off, and kind of the things that I'm doing now. Yeah, that that's um. First, I must commend you for seeking and building a solution within the mental health space, right? Because as you mentioned, like for many years, especially in different communities, mental health has been seen as like a taboo topic. And it's only now that it's becoming more socially acceptable. So kudos to you for like building a solution for something that was truly needed within your community at the time. And with that, like, it's, it's very interesting, right? Like, just like the journey, because as previously mentioned, like, I know because when I was a kid in the West African household, I thought I was going to be a doctor as well. Like, you went to school specifically for one field. However, because of your experiences and you, your openness, you found a new pathway with entrepreneurship, which has been panning out for you. So yeah. that's really cool. Like, so you start off with, like, mobile app, app development, and then the real estate became like post graduation, right? Yeah. So the real estate that that came into play in twenty, really twenty seventeen. But okay. I say the the seed was planted in twenty sixteen. I I just moved to Brewery Town in North Philadelphia. Okay. And where I moved to, I noticed that there was a lot of development starting to happen, or I, I could tell like there was there was just a, a lot of changes happening, and I didn't really have any reference point for urban development, 
mm-hmm. and the like. But I realized, uh, learned that this was like, you know, this is early innings of gentrification in that part of North Philadelphia. Right. And I remember wanting to just be a part of what was going on. And also it started to pique an interest in me when it comes to, when it came to economic and, and urban development. And so I, I didn't take any action at that time, but it definitely planted a seed then. And then about, about a year later, I remember I was in a conversation with a friend of mine, uh, her name is Bree Moore, and shout out to Bree. And we have conversations all the time. And she told me about this event that was happening at a, an apartment complex around investing back in your community through, mm-hmm. through real estate and real estate as a vehicle for building wealth. It seemed, seemed very interesting. Uh, and then the, that, during that time was the whole, uh, you hear about like buy back the block and all yep. these kind of, kind of phrases in, in pop culture. And so, so I went to the event and, uh, and that's what it was. Like they're, they're talking about uh, getting involved in real estate that they mentioned investing, wholesaling, um, transactions as an agent. And so from, from that event was kind of the, what became the impetus for me to start taking steps to go into the real estate space. Uh, I reached out to a couple of people to get advice and ultimately decided to get my license. Mm-hmm. And uh, I joined a real estate league during that time called Better Than Success. And then shout, um, to and shout, to, shout out to Nikki. It's, it's been uh, super, super uh, helpful in my journey. And then, um, you know, did different programs, Jumpstart Germantown, and, uh, and also- Shout out to Ken. Really Shout out to Ken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Developed a really great network during that time. So, um, yeah, it's been a, so this, but this, this journey started around like 20, really 2017. Yeah, if y'all didn't realize, Mamadou is also big into real estate. So, yeah. he, I know he's loving this one right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as successful as our esteemed guests here, but and Derek, you too, you know, you're gonna put me out there. I'm gonna put you out there too, a little bit, little, little something, little something, something. We all on our way. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Aggie, you know what? Um, I, I think that's that's dope that you got into that real estate game and kind of took that which you you know had from Share Anonymous and that that entrepreneurship bug and kind of transferred it over into real estate. That's awesome. I mean, I think we would want to know more of like how you went from Share Anonymous real estate and then into Web3, Web3 for Humanity. I think that's, you know, that's that's an interesting jump. I mean, we, we see a lot of things right now, like you said, those kind of trends where we see people moving into Web3, um, you know, so we would love to hear more about Web3 for Humanity. Um, with within the web three space you guys are, are doing uh within real estate oh definitely definitely so i'll start by saying you know that transition from share anonymous to real estate i mean share anonymous working on that helped open the door to uh work with the penovation center as, as you guys mentioned in the intro and so at that time the penovation center was just launching that's how i got it gave me an opportunity to just be around entrepreneurs and and people who are building things in Philadelphia, and then, mm-hmm. and also created some stability for me at that time. Because I mean, you guys, know, I'm sure know how it can be as a you know, full-time entrepreneur, um, like the, the volatility of it. And so, um, during during that time is when I then started getting into real estate and started working on a one Um uh, But as far as you know, Web three for Web three for humanity, you know that that kind of all happened in, in this past spring. Uh, you know, I went down to a, a real estate and crypto conference uh, with mm, a, okay. a friend of mine. Uh, uh, her name is Makia Muhammad, and I read this article. I read this article about the first property being uh, turned into NFT, and mm. it, it just—I was really, just really piqued my interest. And I'm the type of person like something, something that catches me, I, I, I'll, I immediately go down, go down the, you know, the rabbit hole. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And so, yeah. uh, you know, next thing I know, I'm, I'm seeing that, um, you know, this this company that had conducted the transaction, they're called Proppy. They were they were hosting a conference in Miami, a real estate and crypto conference. And so, um, so I decided to to go down to that go down to that conference. Um, and then by that time, I'd already been into Web three mostly through DeFi because I had uh, at the end of 2021, like fall, you know, winter 2021. I've been you know, dabbling in DeFi as far as like investing in some of these protocols and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What that was like uh, before all that kind of blew up at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah. 
so, so I had that had that context there. And, uh, and so going down to this conference was kind of the, I guess, perfect merge between the two as far as like my experiences and sort of where my interests have been taking me, you know, interest as in, you know, Web3. And, yeah. so, and um, I you know, learned a lot you know, during that conference. And then I was with my, you know, my friend, Mikea, and, uh, you know, we're, and we're, we're having a lot of conversations of, yeah. around uh, real estate and, and particularly from like, the DAO standpoint. Yeah. That's one of the heavy topics of focus during the, during the conference. And so we're talking through this idea of like a, of some sort of home buyer DAO. And that was mm. where the conversation really started. And then yeah. when we got back to Philly and we continued the conversation and uh, another friend of ours, Hugh Nugent, um, joined that conversation, we, com- we noticed that we were getting more broad in the way we were, we were discussing this, this idea. It wasn't called Web3 for Humanity at the time, but we just, at the time we were just calling it home buyer DAO. And because Web3, I mean, it's something that is, is disrupting every industry, right? And, and it's kind yep. of like an evolution of just technology overall. And Absolutely. so um, so we're getting broader in our, in our conversation. And then we decided to start up a YouTube channel to start making conversations we're having uh, public. And, and we're speaking mm-hmm. to this idea of like building in public. And then um, it's, it's yeah, so the, the actual name Web3 for Humanity came through. You know, one of the conversations we were happening and this idea of Web3 as a vehicle for uh, being able to help create a more equitable society. Um, yep. and, yeah. and so what I really love about kind of like the approach we're taking is that, you know, I see a lot of companies and brands who are, you know, they, they build their technology first or they, they, or they create the technology first and then kind of find the problem for it. Uh, but right. kind of going from the standpoint of, you know, what, what are the, what is the need that we're looking to to meet, right? And then, then from there, kind of bring the technology into the um, the fold. Mm, man, I, man, let's just stop right there because the yeah. brother Aki just dropped you a major gem, and I want you guys to catch it. You just said a lot. The problem is a lot of these companies will build the technology first and then try to find a solution for it but you're doing the inverse. You're really trying to identify the problem and then use that technology to build a solution. Like that's major because a lot of times like as founders or prospective founders, aspiring founders, what have you, we maybe get super excited with like what's newest in the industry. And before we know we're out there building, but if you don't have a solid grasp on the needs of the communities the customers or the niche that you're trying to service, it's not going to pan out well. So I just want to yeah. highlight that. That was a major gem. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing, too, for people who, who may not be familiar with Web3, when he mentions a DAO, that's a, a decentralized autonomous organization. And uh, Aki, I mean, just to kind of throw it back in, in your court, can you speak a little bit to how Web3 for Humanity is a DAO and like how you're bringing that concept into Web3 for Humanity. <coughs> Sorry, guys. I take your time. So, about to take your time. So, so originally, when we we're speaking through this idea of a home buyer DAO, the concept was basically doing what we what we've already kind of been doing as far as educating and creating awareness around home ownership to mm-hmm. people yeah. in our community. Because that's, that's that's something that we already already do. But then mm-hmm. creating a way for prospective home buyers to be able to get more value during that process. And so okay. the idea originally was you would be able to sort of go through like a learn to earn kind of um, like, pr- like programming where mm-hmm. you yeah. get rewarded with a, with a token. And then that token, you'd be able to apply for your, apply to your down payment for a, for a home. So, that, so that's where it originally started. That's where it originally yeah. started. And then the, we kind of got more broad in our, our thinking. And so, um, you know, from, so from the DAO standpoint, that is, you know, that was what the case is. But Web3 for Humanity, overall, the organization itself isn't a DAO, but, but there will be a, a DAO um, aspect yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's super fire. And I'm just thinking back to 
the beginning of the real estate portion of this conversation when you mentioned how there was a lot of energy at the time and still now about this conversation of buying back the block, right? Like we realized yeah. that you can't necessarily fight gentrification, which is just simply the investments and improvement of an area, but you could be in a position of control where you and your community members can like own the property there. You benefit directly from it. So I, my the wheels in my brain are just turning about like, man, like you can have DAOs that like fight for that specific purpose of buying back the block and renovation and like improving communities. So that, that's super fire. Absolutely. Absolutely. And th those are all the kind of thoughts that uh, kind of that were kind of starts to go through our, go through our, our head. And I feel like this creates more possibilities. This idea of being, being able to, um, to use a DAO and it's a, I, I see assembly as, as another way of building out an organization mm -hmm. and, uh, and a you know, set of tools that you can use to just improve or, or better. In some cases, um, actions or steps that you might have, may have already been taken, like an initiative you may have even already, already had. And I, I think for people who kind of get caught up sometimes with the terminologies, you know, DAOs and NFTs and, and DeFi, that yeah. um, it's important to make it relatable, to yep. know that it's, this is uh, really an add-on to like the life you've already been living with the goals mm -hmm. that you already have. Preach. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to clip up that, that little piece right there. <laughs> That's going to be a YouTube short right there, man. <laughs> For real. For real. No, we love it. I mean, in, a, in a, the spirit of, of what you were saying, like, you know, uh, from just from what you said, the DAO is, is a lot of like a community investment vehicle tool, you know, that can be used. And I, I love the approach that you guys took with Web3 for Humanity of saying, hey, how can we find ways to, to simplify this and, and bring this in, into something that people care about, you know, people would think would, would be beneficial and, and something that can also, you know, get some, some money in their pockets too, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's not about like feel good, it's also about like economic circumstances and improving that and finding yeah. ways to, to get that dollar circulating. So I love it. I love it. Definitely, definitely. Love it. Great. So. A bit curious, right? Because you come off as a person who's unafraid to learn and take on a new challenge, right? You went to school traditionally for, I think you was going to go on the doctor track, stumbled onto venture, transitioned to real estate, and you transitioned now into like Web3, right? So we know like it sounds great, but it's not an easy journey because you have to spend a lot of time learning, researching training yourself to be able to position yourself to be successful in whatever field you choose to go into. So like, what's some advice you have for the viewers re regarding like the amount of time and hours you need to dedicate to hone your craft, right? And like learn these new skill set. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, I think that a lot of people feel like, especially when it comes to so building out a, a company or, or, or an idea that it can happen overnight. And, and when you don't see results soon enough that something is wrong or that uh, you may be, you know, that you may need to go in a different direction. And sometimes that might actually be the case, but I, I think, and this is also like speaking to my younger self, right? because when uh, I first got into entrepreneurship, I was definitely more uh, outcome focused. Right. But mm -hmm. the reality mm -hmm. is that the reality is that you you can only control the like the the, the seeds that you're planting. Right. You can't mm -hmm. and, and you can you can water those seeds, but it's gonna it's gonna sprout and, and grow when you know on I, I was on God's time. Right. So right. Um, and so I think it's very important to be process to be focus, process focused and focus on what you're doing day in and day out and to also be able to enjoy that process. You're not going to enjoy everything that you're doing. There's going to be certain things that you rather not rather not be doing. And but, Preach. But overall, you want to be able to enjoy what that day-to-day -day process is because that's the journey. And ultimately, like the journey is is what you're doing. You know, even when because as you hit milestones, then there's only going to be other and more milestones to hit. So, um, so I would say that's really the biggest thing to like really be focused on your process and uh, 
to to find ways to enjoy that process. Uh, mm, yeah, I agree, and that's that's something I personally found to be true, like over the years, because I think a lot of us, especially as we're younger, we think more about like the outcome. We're like, oh yeah, you know, step one, start. Step two, it's like a question mark. Step three equals profit, right? But (laughs) what you say is true. Like it doesn't, we tend to underestimate the amount of time and effort any endeavor may take for us. So as you mentioned, like being very focused on a process, what are the steps you're doing each and every day? Because that's going to really determine your outcome more than anything. What's up? What's up? Absolutely. Absolutely. and, and I love it because, you know, we have a similar experience as well. You know, our, our current ideas is not what we started with. And we've been working uh, on our business and in our business for four years now, I think going on five, honestly. And it's been a journey. Like, it, it's, yeah. it, it's honestly, you know, we kind of came with a, a certain solution it wasn't exactly what the the market wanted and we had to take that step back like you mentioned earlier and say hey what are the problems and, and how can we add even more value than than what we've uh, imagined and kind of take those those lessons learned and understanding that that process and and get falling in love with it right like i think within the last year mm-hmm. um I decided to make this pivot about a year ago and so within this last year we really fell in love with that process of like Ooh. You know what are what are what are we trying to accomplish here? What what do people want? What do people need? What do um, what holes do we see that we can fill? Um, and I think that that leads me to my next question, which is you know what experiences did you take away from Share Anonymous that yeah. you now apply into to what you're doing with Wonderloft and Web Three for Humanity and even your real estate endeavor? Like how did that come into play? Because I, I know. Going full time and, and really being uh, on on that grind, there was a lot of lessons learned. So, give give the folks some 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 game, man. We'd love to hear. Definitely, I say there are two big big lessons I took from it. The first is one of the ones I just mentioned about uh, outcome or, or, or the you know the goal versus the process. I yeah. say the second one is working on an idea or something that is really uh, personal to you. Right. You know, when it comes to, let's say, like one Jalaf, for example, mm. and, and I think about how deeply I care about my culture, and yeah, this this is something that I know that I can work on day in and day out for years, and mm. maybe I, maybe you see the see the results early on. Maybe it takes takes longer to see the results, but you but you know you're working on something that you can uh, you have a higher likelihood of being able to kind of see through. Yeah, and so. I think that was that's another another big one because the point at which you decide to start working start or start, to stop working on something or continue working on something is the same point. Like, mm-hmm. like for example, I could have continued working on Chanana's right, but had I worked on it for another three, four years, five years, however long, and it didn't pan out the way I wanted, would I have regretted the you know regretted continuing to work on it for that long? Because uh, because the, there were other opportunities that were coming about. As I continue, right. continue working on it, and yeah. so, um, so you know, those are all the you know, kinds of questions that would go through my mind. And I think you know, the other approach is like, like you guys mentioned, you pivoted, you pivoted from what your idea was before to to this space now. So I, so I guess it's like, when you, you, know, you stop working on an idea and then work on a new idea, or or you decide to, to pivot into a different direction, kind of like yeah. knowing that doing what is really true and authentic to to you and where you're at. Because there's always going to be a perception from the outside of like, oh, you've been working on this for X amount of time. Now, are you just obviously you just want to quit, or you know, yeah. and, and you yeah. don't want to be seen as like a quitter. But but like, if that that it might be the right decision to stop working on, stop working on it for for you. Mm-hmm. you know? um, so it's, these are the kind of questions that you, you know we got to ask. You got to ask yourself. And uh, so I say, you know, those are the two big things: the outcome versus the process. Yeah. That, that goes into being able to enjoy what you're working on overall, and then um, and then also working on something that that you deeply care about or, or that's that's close to you or personal to you. Um, right. That found has been very helpful for for me. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's that's beautiful. I, I love that, and and you know, what I'm saying I I definitely want as many people to hear that as possible because that's something I think 
Mamadou and I have talked a lot about is, you know, even making this pivot, right? We were we're asking ourselves, like, are we are we selling out? Are like people gonna look at us weird yeah. because we put this brand around this one thing and like we're doing yeah. this other thing now? Like yeah. how's that gonna pan out? And um I think for us too, what, what helped us with that is we started with you know what we were passionate about and having the conversation about what we really wanted to do with this business. So us having that conversation early on we decided to pivot, we were able to come back to that conversation and say, hey, are we still staying true to, to ourselves and what we want to do? And the answer being, the answer ended up being yes, and probably even more so than before. And so yeah. I, I love what you what you said there, and I think that's that's a true gem. Um, so listen, free game, free game for the people. And they should be paying you for this, Aki. They should be paying you, man. They, they should get this free. Yeah, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. I I agree with just all of those sentiments, right? Because, and it goes back to a valuable lesson for all the viewers, right? Like, you have to be mission and vision aligned, because your tactic may differ, right? Because ultimately, most people want to have a positive impact on the world, right? So, using Aki as an example here, you know. Starting off with like the medical route with like trying to become a doctor to, oh, I'm building a business around like mental health to like real estate and having these conversations around, you know, generational wealth, um, community development to now Web3 for Humanity, like creating a platform with like this real estate niche focus that can use technology to fulfill that mission of like wealth building and community development. So all that to say is when you're able to look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I being mission aligned and vision aligned? And the answer is yes. The tactic may differ, but the vision and the overall strategy will remain. For sure. My man, I can went from from health to health to the pockets. You trying to get those pockets? (laughs) (laughs) True African man fashion. What's up, man? Love to see it. Yeah, man. Yeah, we won't we won't keep you too much longer because you know the good brother here is suffering from a cold. But you know, like you said, when block to block is consistent, we're always gonna come through. And that's another lesson: execution, execution. So consistency is key. Consistency is key, my brother. Yeah. So we're just going to leave you a few more questions. And so one being, you know, you talked a lot about Web3 for humanity and like some of the things that you wish to accomplish. What would you, what's like really the vision for next year? Like that you can share, you know, I know you got to keep some things in the back room, but like anything that the people should be tuning in for? Yeah, I mean, I definitely say, you know, first of all, people to, to um, go subscribe to the Web3 for Humanity YouTube channel. Uh, yep. For when we when we start uploading videos again, but I think the big thing, you know, for myself right now and also for you know my business partner is kind of like creating the space, like uh, the mental space and the um, just like life space to be able to um, execute um, Web3 for Humanity the way we would, we would like to. Um, you know, I run one Jalof, um, and I, you know, I got some other things that I've going have going on, and you know, that's the you know, same thing with uh, my Kia. So really, I think I'm kind of going through a period where I'm kind of uh, working to clear the space to be able yeah. to um, kind of like go full throttle on that. And um, and we definitely have a, have an event that we've been talking about um, that, that we'd like to to plan for the, the spring of next year. Uh, so that be something to, to stay tuned to as well. Um, we gotta tune in for that because we we've been talking so, about some events as well. Definitely, definitely gotta talk about definitely gotta talk about that. So. Yeah, that's fire. That's fire, man. And the last question for you is for like the viewer, right? Who has like an interest in Web three entrepreneurship, or maybe just like entrepreneurship and starting something in general? Like, what's the one piece of advice you can give them? I would say start with where your interests already are, because when I think about the Web3 space, regardless of what industry you're, you're interested in, it, that exists in Web3. So it might, you might be someone who's interested in sports, you might be interested in media, you might be interested in real estate, music, 
and whatever space you you can think of, start there and look to see what is happening in Web three and those in those avenues. And I think that that's kind of like a, a great entry point to to getting getting deeper into it. And uh, and then when you realize like oh that these are really tools that are creating new possibilities uh, for a lot of what already exists, then it, you know starts to starts to click. For me, I got my my real entry point into it. Uh, I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier was actually DeFi because I because yeah. I was uh, you know I'm into trading and, and so I got into that through you know traditional kind of trading and then you know I found myself in, in DeFi and that was what then opened opened me up to the world of Web three as a as a whole. Okay. Amazing, man. Appreciate you, brother. This was a powerful episode. You dropped so many gems. Please, for the you at home, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share. And definitely rewatch this episode and take down notes because the brother Oluwa Aki was dropping gems. <laughs> hey, man. Yo, uh, where the last thing is, where can the people find you and follow you at? Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Sir Akin B, S I R A K I N S N A N C B, and then um, Twitter, D Five underscore underscore Poppy, and uh, again, you can follow the the Web Three for Humanity uh, page on YouTube, um, One Jalof, uh across social media, and that should I think that covers it all. Man, appreciate you. We'll be sure to drop that info in the description as well for this episode. But we appreciate you. Um, at this point, we will transition to the second part of the show, which is about like just our take on like market news. You're more than welcome to stay, but I also know that you're you know under the weather, so I don't want to like force you or anything. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I think I need to go. I need to go take some Theraflu. <laughs> and then uh, I would love I would love to stay, uh, you know, under normal conditions. But uh, no, it's been a uh, that's been great. You know, and thank, thanks you guys for having me on. And I appreciate the, appreciate the platform. Appreciate you, brother. We appreciate you. You have a great one. So take care. Sure. Thank you, Aki. Man, fire! Hey, man, that talk is different, man. I I, really? I love it. I thought it was it was a lot of takeaways. We could we could use you know ourselves. So. Man, for the for the viewers, like Mama Do said, like, comment, subscribe. Make sure you share, man. This this is this is not a, a something that should be kept secret. This is something that should be shared out. Some people should be able to to, to listen to and and get that free game that that we we giving out. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, this this some people should be paying for, but we giving it for free because we want to make sure that this information is out there. We want to make sure that Web is demystified, man. People in this space, they look like me and you. Um, they, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's all about, like Aki said, you know, finding where your passions lie, finding what interests you and just starting to realize this is a tool to, to help me do what I'm already doing in a, a more effective, efficient way. So I can, you know what I'm saying? Get the healthy pockets. Like, like brother, Dr. Aki was telling us, you know what I'm saying? So, man. Oluwa Aki, man. Yeah. Man. Like. The guests on the show we have so far have been really fire. Shout out to Sean Peterson, Shout man. Sean. Episode Shout eight, because he talked about becoming a developer in Web3, right? Because, yeah. you know, he has his background within computer science and like coding. And it's not like Web3 developers have been around for centuries or ages. Like it's relatively new things, but he took his pre existing skill set and is applying it within this space. The brother Aki here has a very strong career in real estate. And he was being very modest because I did my research. The brother's doing well in real estate. (laughs) He's taking that and applying it to Web3. Like the last bit of advice he said was find where your passions and your interests lie because there is a space for that within Web3. Because remember, y'all, Web3 is just simply a new iteration of the internet and data and technology, right? It's kind of like, that's why Web3 for Humanity is such a dope brand name. Like, absolutely. It's for all that we want to accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's let's get into the, the rest of the show for the people. Mama, do I, I heard there's, there's a story you want to, 
to to start with. We we gotta continue on with this saga that that we've been following. So Whew, let the man. people know what's what's new. The SBF saga, FTX saga, a longer saga than Star Wars and Harry Potter. <laughs> so it's definitely in uh, competition for sure. Definitely in competition. So Sam Bakeman Freed, otherwise known as SBF, the former CEO of FTX, has done his first interview this week with um, the New York Times. And it was a ride. Essentially, in this interview, it, it was against his, the advice of his legal counsel. His legal counsel actually advised him not to take it. But he said he wanted to face the public and just really address what happened with the collapse of FTX, right? So just for a quick recap of the FTX situation, you know, definitely watch episode 12 because we go a lot more in depth with it. But just on a high level, FTX at one point was the second largest crypto exchange platform. And yeah, in the world. And recently they filed chapter 11 bankruptcy you know, at one point, this FTX and its U.S. subsidiary was worth $40 billion, And now it, it filed bankruptcy. And it's at a point where FTX and its affiliate firms owe more than 1 million customers an estimated $8 billion, which they cannot pay back. And so the downfall of the second largest player within this space has had sweeping and large detrimental impact within the entire crypto space like we saw it with like bitcoin falling to a to a low of like now it's hovering over like sixteen thousand or every any given day many people have lost their money many people are fearful of the crypto space right now and u.s regulators are very harping in right now right so the collapse of that company has really have a negative impact on the market. And so SBF is coming forward and he's just having a conversation with Andrew Rosh Shorkin of the New York Times at their deal book summit, just to like have a conversation of like what happened. Like did he, was he knowingly commingling funds and accessing people's accounts? Well, like how did we get here? And then the interview Derek, you know what I can tell you after watching? I watched the whole thing. You know what I can tell you? What, what can you tell me? He shouldn't have done that interview. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be real. Wait, because, why you say that? Why you say that? Let me know. Why, why? Because, all right. On a surface level, it sounds noble, right? I took, I'm going against my legal counsel's advice. I want to have a conversation with the people. Many people have said they lost significant money some people even lost life savings so i want to address the crowd but more than half of the questions in which the reporter was asking like hey like what was the relationship between ftx and alameda regarding x y and z like just about every other response was well i don't know i wasn't sure i didn't have oversight or i wasn't looking into that and what he effectively came across was this idea of he was just oblivious to what was occurring within like the business and he kept saying like you know we didn't have this certain infrastructure we didn't have certain people over like um oversight or governance and this that and the third or you know because for those who don't know like spf he co-founded both alameda actually alameda before ftx so he like owned and co-founded both organizations, but he said he wasn't really, he was always afraid of like conflict of interest. So he tried to purposely keep himself away from the affairs of Alameda. So come on now, come on now. You, you know what that sound like? What does that sound, sound like? like I'll stop there. Because yeah. There is there is no way in the world you could tell me you stand across the hall from the CEO of the other company and you don't know what's going on with the company that you co-founded. Like it, that, 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 come on now, you you can't sit here and, and act like we're stupid. 
And, and, yeah. and you know, there's this book that a lot of people like to quote called 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And I'm not gonna act like I read the actual book, but I read the laws, right? One of the laws was this notion of act like suppressing your intelligence, like acting dumber. So you can like kind of fool people. And yeah. I'm not sure if that's what he was purposely trying to do yeah. or if he's being genuine and he truly just didn't know anything. But yeah. to me, the viewer and to, I mean, luckily I didn't, I never use FTX nor have I lost any money with them, but millions of people have, right? Yeah. So if you're somebody, you know, the reporter started off the statement saying like, hey, I want to read this for a person who emailed us who said they lost two million of their life savings with FTX. Crazy. For you to sit there and say, "Oh, I didn't know what was going on, and I didn't know this was happening." That, it comes that, off that, as disingenuous. Yeah, that that come on now, you like you said from from what you're saying, he probably shouldn't have done that interview. He should have let. The, the water's clear. He should have waited a little while and then owned up to what happened. You know what I'm saying? After things have settled and, and you know, dust has settled. And because, you know, now it, it's I, in, in my eyes for me, right? I even, I, I feel even, you know, less sorry for him and, and what he's done. Like you said, you know, one of the, those 48 laws of power make yourself seem dumber. But I also feel like that's a tactic that people, when they feel like they're smarter than you, yep. they feel like they can tell you anything and you should just accept that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and it doesn't matter where you go to school. I, I feel like at the end of the day, there's one thing that school can't teach that a lot of people, I, I'll say a couple of things that you can't teach in school, but people inherently have um, or, or they learn. One is common sense. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be uh, a genius to figure out, hey, I just got bamboozled out of my money and lost all of my money. And another thing that people learn is street smarts, which mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, there's different levels, but I think at the end of the day, you can understand from a few times dealing with some people, hey, I'm I'm getting scammed or this is mm-hmm. this is something that's disingenuous or you can't tell me you were running this business, you were the CEO, you were the, the head honcho but you didn't know what was going on. Why would I, why would I trust you to do anything else? Which is kind of brings me to another point of like also hearing these investors say that they would invest with him again. I hope this is the last straw because I know if, if somebody looked like me and you said something like that, people would be jumping out the window anytime we even thought about approaching them. So Mm. I don't know, man, it's, it's, I got some feelings about that interview to say the least. Yes, it it was not a good look at all. But the big takeaway for like the viewers, when it comes to being a leader, you have to be extremely accountable, right? Like I remember reading in a couple of books, this notion of the most successful people have this idea of extreme accountability. Like everything is your fault. And like, there's no, this there's no excuse mentality, right? So even if it's something like, let's say you're late to an event because you were stuck in traffic, instead of like blaming the traffic, you could have been, you could have said, man, I should have like left earlier, or perhaps I should have like took another route when I realized there was going to be traffic on X route, right? So that's just like, that's like a very small example. But as you can see, Thinking in that manner can be very beneficial. And unfortunately, that's not what I really saw from this interview. And so it's just like a lesson for like leadership, like be accountable, especially when you're managing and dealing with other people's money. Billions. Billions. The second largest in the space. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, that was just my thought on the overall interview. Uh, we'll definitely continue to keep watch of this saga because it does have a huge impact on the space. Especially, like my biggest prediction from all of this is the U.S. government in particular is going to ensure that there is strong regulation 
within crypto, at least crypto specifically. Like, remember, as we said in a previous episode, they're already investigating um, the Board 8 Yacht Club, which is the largest um, NFT collection on the Ethereum blockchain. Like, everything that has underwood with crypto. In episode three, we already talked about how the White House had that um, climate change report commissioned on the web on the Web3 space. So yeah. seeing yeah. this big implosion right here, and we're seeing these accusations of like accounts being commingled and over a million people are owed eight billion dollars. Yeah. The That's regulation is gonna be crazy. crazy. It's gonna be crazy. And then I mean, listen, that actually leads us to the quick take. Let's let's talk about a, a, another company that was uh let's say the catalyst for this situation, if you will. Binance has recently came out there, their chief strategy officer came out and said that centralized exchanges may not be around in 10 years, right? And, and why is that, right? So with the crypto market, it's moving into decentralized finance or what we know as DeFi, like Aki spoke about. He was, you know, he got into Web3 uh, through DeFi. And really what this, this recent collapse has done is really, you know, it's killed the trust of customers and users, right? So what Binance is trying to do is implement a proof of reserves uh, system where there's a way to show customers that their assets are fully backed. Uh, but that process has been slow, right? So, you know, these are big, you know, these are companies, new companies that are, are trying to, you know, build their business. And now they're trying to transition into this new thing and bringing these new processes into their business. So that process has been slow. Um, and, you know, what we're seeing with the, the income and regulation and lack of trust, there needs to be some some auditing process that they need to set up as well on top of that proof of reserve. So there's a lot that's coming through for those exchanges where those centralized exchanges are feeling the pressure, they're feeling the burn. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're really working on that, bringing in that third party auditor but again, it's been slow. It's going to be a multi-step process. It's not going to be a, a quick one, too, because mm -hmm. this is a new space, right? This is a very new space. Um, and so they, they feel confident that they'll be able to set up that system. Um, they're even contributing $2 billion from their corporate reserves. And they're confident, confident that the, their reserves uh, will be able to, to meet you know, the, the needs of their customers and their platform. But again, it's, it's going to take time. And I think that's something uh, that... that that really Binance is, is like we we need to, to move quicker and they're they're really feeling that uh you know that that burn and, and feeling that pressure from outside forces. Right. And for context for the viewers, right? I, I know uh this may be your first time watching or you've just uh you know started learning about Web3 through this podcast. So we want to give you some context around Binance, right? So FTX was the second largest, Binance is the largest. Uh, Web3 or, or crypto exchange out there, right? And, and for context, it's almost bigger than the New York Exchange, London Stock Exchange, and the Tokyo Exchange combined, right? So that that's bringing them even more embarrassment that this process has been so slow, right? Like they have this huge, huge platform um, that's that's bigger. That can that's almost bigger than all of the the biggest exchanges that we have right now combined um but it's really slow for them to to get their their processes set up to do something as simple as proof of reserves or, or get auditors into the building um but it also contributes to it as as well right and, and we've talked about this in other episodes going back to you know exchanges moving more to decentralization is we have our doubts about, you know, the, the talk of, oh, you know, crypto is decentralized and, you know, Web3 is going to be a game changer. And, you know, there's, it's a lot of talk. But when you really look at it, right, there's a lot of centralization in this space that's going to get exposed even more so now. Right. And with this recent collapse, you know, that that centralization is, is coming to light. But. What we also see is one, the pressure to move to decentralization, but also really the exposure of what decentralization really is, 
mm-hmm. right? And, and I want to talk and touch on that for a second. Decentralization doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't any centralization at all, right? We all know mm-hmm. that there's some things with centralization that, that we don't like, but at the end of the day, there needs to be somebody that kind of takes that responsibility and, and, and does some of the organizational uh, things that, that needs to be done to, to keep things moving. But what decentralization truly is, is making sure that you have many different centralized entities set up to where if one piece falls, there are other pieces in place to ensure that the platform uh, you know, keeps going, right? It's, it's more secure. It's in a way uh, should decrease the ability for situations like FTX to happen, right? right? And, and, and that's something, again, in previous episodes, we've talked about with like a Solana getting all these investments from these venture firms where you're like, okay, well, what does that really mean, right? You, you, you have this approach where you're really centralizing your platform and, and taking the decentralization out of it. Um, so it's, it's going to be one thing to, to look out for as you're looking at Web3, crypto, NFTs, is how these companies are handling this situation, how companies are moving towards decentralization. You know, I think there needs to be some centralization to, to get things off the ground, to get things moving. But do companies have plans to expand what they're doing and decentralize what they're doing so that they can build some resiliency into their operations, right? And, and another thing to look at as well is what does this mix of decentralization and regulation means for the industry as well, right? Because personally, I think that the decentralization is really a huge innovation for finance. But as we've seen with Terra Luna, there's still some some risk that's involved. And so with regulation, I, I think it's really going to force these companies that are, you know, on the high end of the innovation and high risk spectrum to kind of tailor it back a little bit and, and make sure that they're setting up their platforms with consumer protection in mind. And also that, you know, those platforms have some insurance that consumers will be made whole in the event of mistakes like we've seen with FTX and Terra Luna. Um, so that's the quick take for the day. Um, just, you know, definitely keep a keep an eye on what's going on in the industry in terms of, you know, platforms and decentralization, but also the regulation. And if you get a chance, if you're you're interested in it, go and look at the blog post from Vitalik Buterin on decentralization. Um, it was a good one. It talked a lot about what decentralization truly means and why there is some centralization involved with it. Um, and that's a quick take for the day. Mamadou, what's your thoughts? Yeah. Love it. Great fire take, quick take per usual. You know, the idea of centralized exchanges in a space that really purports the idea of decentralization was always kind of ironic in a sense, right? But it goes on to say, like, yes, this technology is very innovative, right? However, some of the goals or ideas that many people within the space thought would happen is probably not going to really pan out, right? Because yeah. as we talk about this idea of DeFi, right, decentralized finance, there's many aspects of it that's really great because there's millions of people in the world who are underbanked, meaning they don't have access to like any to the financial institutions. Yeah. And so that aspect of like, hey, with like crypto, you don't need like some bank to approve you based on like things like your employment status, credit history, killing yeah. you with, with the monthly fees, what have you. All you simply need is access to the internet and the ability to create a wallet and voila, you have crypto, you have access yeah. to the financial system. So that's great. And I do think there's plenty of opportunities for that to still happen. But of course, it just hasn't been panning out that way, right? Because unfortunately, like as always, those with the means and the wealth have been like really benefiting from the space. Like, come on, we said it in a couple of episodes, like the top 100 wallets own like the majority of many of your favorite crypto. 
Yep. These platforms and these networks are not decentralized for the most part. I haven't really seen one yet. And that's no shot. It's just like fact, you know? Yeah. So with yeah. in that long rant, that's all to say like, yes, this technology is here to stay. Yes, this technology is important. And yes, we can have innovations and solve things and do many things. However, the way in which we previously envisioned may not be how it pans out. And we have to be okay with that and be open to it and be able to adapt. Yeah. Just like the good brother Aki said. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, look, man, let's let's not keep the people too, too much longer. Let's get into this market. I, I know they, they're looking for it. They, they're trying to see what's going on, especially with everything we're talking about. So give, give, us, give us a little, little breakdown of what's going on in the market. Yes, yes. So today is December the 1st. So with that, what I want to do is to, you know, break down what has occurred within the space for like the past month, specifically looking at like the NFT market. So last, like within the last of month of November, what we saw was total sales had dropped by close to 16%. They dropped by 15.9% to a total sales of over 155,000 NFTs were transacted upon. And the sales volume had dropped by close to 5% at 4.75% to 112 million. And so overall, we've seen, you know, like the steady decline of like NFT transactions and even like the volume of the sales. But as we've been mentioning, like since probably like episode one of the podcast with this crypto winter that we're in, we're in these recessionary times, asset classes and areas that are like deemed as not as essential and more risky are going to see an impact. And you're going to see less activity. But once again, like we said in every episode, that could also be like a call for opportunity, you know, especially if you're packing your your nfts with like a lot of value and they're really making some kind of difference or solving some kind of problem you could still be successful during these times so that's what we're focused on on d timbuktu our physical nft marketplace you know there we have like very very cool offerings with physical nfts where like you know shout out to streetwear connections shout out to our partner zeus deuce shout out to patrick henry and amir and shout out to the many more partners we're about to bring on officially oh, yeah. starting at the top of 2023. So it's it's gonna be huge. Yes, it's be huge for sure. For sure, but, man. Y'all need to be on the lookout. We got a we got a live a, a lot of live activations coming up where you can meet with us in person, learn about web three, you know, start using the platform. Um, and, and really just start that journey. You know, like we've been saying, we are here to demystify Web3. We're here to meet you where you are. That's why we're, we we have such dope partners that we're working with that's going to be bringing uh, dope products to the platform, to the market, as well as amazing events and activation. So be on the lookout. If you don't already, uh, definitely follow us at Relink Global on all platforms, whether you on you know, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, whatever. Every link global, definitely check us out. We're not on MySpace, but no, we're, we're not. Yeah, we're on every other one. Um, and yeah, man, it's going to be exciting. 2023, that's the free game for the day is you can get a lot more free game in person, ask us questions in person, in real life, um, and, and enjoy yourself and have a good time with us as well. So definitely be on the lookout. Right. Also, oh. if you like to listen to us on audio platforms, you know, okay. shout out to Anchor. You know, we've uploaded every episode so far to Anchor. And so if you're unable to like listen to us on YouTube or watch us on YouTube, you can like check us out on like Spotify, on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Still working on trying to get on Apple Podcasts, but we will be there soon. But yeah, you know. You can also support the, the podcast. You know, there's a link to the anchor below in the description. But with that, man, it's been a great 
journey this episode fifth episode 15 mind Another you milestone. weekly episodes so for 15 weeks almost four months next week will be month four we've been doing this podcast consistency is the key brother wayne web three wayne yes sir aki aki said it aki said it consistency is key consistency is key and consistency is king so love it man well, I think that's that's the episode for today. A lot of gems, a lot of great information. Shout out to Aki for joining us. Shout out to Web3 for Humanity, One Jalaf. Uh, man, just and, and definitely look out for Mamadou actually on the, the, the podcast. Uh, he did a little guest appearance. Uh, I heard he yeah. was in there dropping some gems as well. So definitely check that out. Yeah, you know, I had to, man. I had to. Yeah. So as we mentioned last week, this was our cross podcast initiative. So on Tuesday evening, I was able to meet with Aki in person. Shout out to Aki. Shout out to Seku. Shout out to Toby. Great cast. Great podcast studio, by the way. I'm like, ooh, we got to step it up a little bit. Yeah, studio. Right, we got to upgrade. We got to upgrade, man. Whew. They gave me water, Derek. You ain't never gave me no water. But anyway. Nah, I don't like you that much. <laughs> but yeah shout out to them like it was an amazing conversation and yeah subscribe to their channels we'll put that information in the description yeah but with that i am nft and jai and i am web3 wayne and the talk is different always, always. peace <laughs>